Today's text is inspired by our Thanksgiving season, and it's from the lectionary text for Thanksgiving Day. Uh, And it's interesting that it decides to give us a text on anxiety and worry. And maybe you've experienced that Thanksgiving or holidays can be that kind of thing, where you're anxious and worried and stressed about a lot of things, even though the season is probably intended to be more joyful and celebratory. And so for some of us, that anxiety, that worry, that stress is about seeing family and what might come up in dinner conversations, uh, what you know, what's people's kind of interactions going to be like being in the same room. And some people, that stress is about who's not in the room and who can't be there, whether it's by choice or having passed from this, this earth. And so there's a lot of stress about that. There's a lot of stress for people, especially preparing food, hoping that their food turns out all right. Uh, There's a lot of stress about maybe I eat too much, maybe I shouldn't have ate that much. There's a lot of stress for some people, though, about not having enough to eat. And especially in a season that the holiday is about having this meal together, um, that's a very stressful and and worrisome part of the season for those those people. And we're always dealing with the tension and the stress about how do I actually be thankful in the midst of also feeling an anxiety or stress about what, what are the things that I want, what do I need to buy, as Black Friday, Friday kind of invades even more into Thanksgiving each year. And so you have that stress. And so uh, we have a lot of stress, and it goes beyond just the season. We have a lot of stress and worry and anxiety as, a, as just a whole nation. I, I don't know how many people have used the word angst But I tend to hear it as teenage angst. I don't hear it by itself as often. But angst just means that uh, anxiety or dread about either one's condition or one's place in the world or the state of the world. And so it's this deep anxiety. But there actually is something to teenage angst and that um, the American Psychological Association did a study this year about stress levels by generations. Generation Z, which is 21 and younger, uh, placed at the top of the list for amount of stress and worry out of all the generations that they did studies on. And so when they did this test, they asked people to rate their own mental health as, and went on a scale. And so they were recording how many people said they had excellent or very good mental health. And so they lumped everyone, after, everyone older than boomers together in one category. I'm sorry, that's just how they did it. Um, But older adults, on average, said 74% of the time that they had excellent or very good mental health. And then for boomers, it was 70%. Gen X, it dropped down to 51%. Millennials was at 56%. And then when you get to Generation Z, they said uh, 45% of the time that they had very good or excellent mental health. And so there's a lot of stress, a lot of worry. And it was interesting what kind of things Generation Z said they were stressed about compared to other adults and other, other generations. So on average, they were stressed about mass shootings on 75% of the people that were tested, uh, whereas older, well, other adults was only 62%, which is still a really high number. Um, they also ranked really high on concerns about suicide rates, on climate change, on the separation of immigrant families, on sexual assault and harassment reports. Um, They had very high levels of stress related to all of those issues. And we all have 
plenty of other kinds of stress and anxiety and worry, whether that's economic ones, uh, debts, jobs, insurance rates, maybe it's societal worries. I know a lot of people have talked about how they really are scared and aren't, you know, don't know what to do with the fact that people can't even agree on facts. So how do we even get anywhere if we can't agree on basic facts? Uh, there's you know, growing public hate and polarization and all of those stressors. People worry about health, water quality, uh, if you get into science, worried about anti, uh, you know, antibiotic-resistant bacteria, um, cancer, all sorts of health worries. We have relationship worries. Do I belong here? Am I loved? We have church anxiety. Um, whether that's just in the news, the public image of churches, and scandals and things like that. And so you then have, feel like you have to defend yourself just about being at church versus... Um, you know, even getting into more of a conversation. People have anxiety about church attendance and budgets and those kinds of things. And so we face all sorts of worry. We have all sorts of anxiety. And so I think it's a really important topic um, that we have today. And I think that on the surface, you might hear that sermon scripture text and think, oh, the text is saying just don't worry. And that gets really hard in the face of all of these worries. And I think Matthew's message for us is actually much more nuanced, and we can get something very life-giving in the midst of it. I do want to wrestle with some things up front with you of just, as I'm reading it, here, there's some challenging parts of this text that I think is worth just naming. And so when we open the text, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than the food and the body more than clothing? And that's really hard if you're someone actually very hungry and in need and not having clothing. And so, especially if you come from a place of privilege, that's a tough one because you're like, oh yeah, I can, I can handle this text. But it's harder when you're thinking about it from the point of view of people who actually don't know where that next meal is coming from. And so I just want to name that, that that's a challenging part of this text, and we'll kind of reread this a little bit later. The next verse starts, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Again, not all animals actually are fed. Uh, a lot of them are losing habitats, struggling to survive. Uh, we don't actually have a full idyllic animal world. And so, it, you know, you could read this text and feel like it's, oh, this happy animal world, but the reality is it's a little bit more complicated than that. And, and you might also say, okay, the text is, maybe it's trying to say, don't worry, look at the animals. They don't worry. But we know animals actually worry quite a bit. If you maybe have seen a pet who had a lot of separation anxiety, I know my parents' dog, as soon as they leave the house, she is howling her head off. Um, and they can't leave her at home now for like to go on vacations because the last time they did, they had a lot of vet bills because her health just broke down. And, and there's studies on all sorts of animals. Like there's a study on rats that came out this year that rats are apparently really stressed about open spaces. So they'd send them in a maze. And as soon as they get to the open space, this part of their brain just fire and it's, it's afraid and nervous and doesn't know what to do. And they were doing some tests about how to limit that. And so that, that part of the brain wouldn't fire when they did these different kind of tests with them. 
and then they're adventurous and they just go out in the open space. But naturally, even rats can be worried and fearful. Um, and there's all sorts of studies about animals that have been around poaching and the kind of PTSD they have that forever they're nervous about interactions with people in a way that they weren't before. And so we don't also have this idyllic vision of just consider the birds, how they have no cares, they're just free. There are stresses even in our animal you know, neighbors. And it ends with saying, are you not more of more value than they? And I just want to name, some people have a lot harder time with that of maybe in part because of the way in which people have abused nature and animals and things like that and said, oh, they don't matter. We're the ones that matter. We can take whatever we want. Um, and so there's a giant conversation that we could have about that topic just alone on that. And, and so there's some things that we could wrestle with, but I really want to kind of hone in on what I think we can find good news in this text. Like what is Matthew offering that has a gospel like hope and, and says something to our worries? And so I think that to start off, I think it's important to know the context of this passage. Why is Jesus talking about worrying just to begin with? And so this text is in the middle of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus in Matthew 5 through 7 gives this big speech in front of the crowds. And it starts off with the Beatitudes saying things like, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it has all this great teaching. And in chapter 6, he starts talking about um, having your allegiance to God and that that is your soul kind of... Um, you choose God and you can't choose other things. And so he does that in the previous verses saying, no one can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And so just before this, he was contrasting that you, you have to choose. You got the God path or you got your possessions path. And I get that that's a little bit uneasy when we get into the Christmas season where we have that temptation more and more towards our possessions. And so that's an uneasy thing for us in this season. And so that's a brutal challenge for us. Um, but in light of that, what is Matthew trying to get at for us about worrying? And so first I want to say that Matthew is challenging us to have the right priorities, like to figure out what's essential and have your, like, because you can worry about everything. But how do you worry about the most important things? And so I'm going to reread that first verse. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And so he's really trying to contrast things in this passage. He's trying to contrast life with the food that you put into yourself to help bring about life, and your body with the clothing that you put on your body. And so maybe it's a little bit like stressing uh, and spending tons and tons of money on having the perfect clothing items, but never actually ever thinking about your own body and like uh, that you're taking care of it, whether that's sleep or exercise or nourishment. Um, how do we prioritize the most essential and important thing? And especially, how do we think about the spiritual side of things and not just only the material? And so he goes on to say... Uh, Therefore, don't worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. And I think that's a really important note, that 
we have tons of stuff to worry about and you can't worry about it all. Like, it's too much. And so what are some of those things that aren't as central that you can give up and give over in prayer to God and say, God, I know I'm stressed about this. I know I'm worried about it. I just can't deal with this thing too. And I'm just going to give that over to you. And I'm not going to spend all of my time worrying about this, this, this thing. And so I think that's an important part is how do you prioritize your worry so that your, your worry box is about what's most essential and what matters most in the world. Something I appreciate about Matthew is that he's not a thoughts and prayers only kind of person. Like he's not just about what you think, but he's calling you to action and what you should do as well. And so he challenges us um, to seek God's kingdom and justice. He's, caused, he's challenging us to action. And when danger comes around, we have our fight or flight or freeze kinds of responses. So you either have something that you're running away from or something you run to, or sometimes you just freeze. And I feel like worry really freezes us a lot. When you got too much to worry about, you can't make a decision, you just get stuck. And so I appreciate that Matthew's calling us towards something and not just talking about it. And so he, he says in chapter 6, verse 33, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So he gives you a pursuit. And he's calling you on, that, on you to have that proactive faith that's not frozen by worry, but is active. And it's about righteousness, which is a word that's a little bit confusing because that word that's in the Greek sometimes gets translated righteousness. Sometimes it's just translated as justice. And I feel like justice means a little bit more for us in our kind of part of the world and what that might mean. But it's about how do you renew or restore your relationship with God, but also your relationship to all of those around you. And that you can't just do one of those. So it's not about just getting right with God, but it's getting right with God and with everybody else. And so seek first, how do you make God's reign of peace and love uh, more visible, more realized? How do you bring about justice for everybody? Um, instead of just thinking about your own worries. And I appreciate that because maybe when we read that first verse about don't worry about what you're going to um, eat or what you're going to drink or about your body or your clothing, um, is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Maybe a little bit about that is don't worry about your own meal and your own clothing and just your own stuff. But what if you were so moved that you cared about other people having their food or having clothing and that it's not just about you, but it's about everybody getting what they need. And so how do we make it more than just worrying about our own stuff and that everybody has um, justice? And so I think we have a lot of wonderful opportunities to seek God in that way here at this church. And I hope we continue to find even more ways, but everything from the blessing box and personal care and comfort quilts, and food pantries, and we've got plenty of ways that we are trying to care for people, not because we're better than people, but because God desires justice, and love, and peace, and we are just partaking in that with, with God, and I'm wanting to offer that to everybody else. And so I think if you're worried, one of the things that's really helpful to do is to actually get on your feet and go and do something that's essential and that means... Um, that means something to other people. 
And so he challenges us in this text to action. Matthew also does one more thing, and that's he challenges us to give thanks and to remember what God's already done for us. And that's hard when you're worried and you're stressed and you're afraid because you only think about all the bad things that could happen and you stop thinking about all of the good things that have already happened. And so he says this in a few ways, and, and usually by pointing out things in nature. He says, look at the birds of the air, how they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. And he goes on to talk about the lilies of the field and how they neither um, toil nor spin, but they grow. And if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And so, you know, I think about and the vastness of trouble or chaos of the universe. Like, it's not an easy place for life to survive. And yet, in the midst of the abyss of kind of the universe, we have these little flowers growing up that give you delight with beauty. Uh, we've got birds chirping and bringing delight. Um, there's such goodness in the face of worrisome trouble and problems. And so I hope that we can figure out in our lives, like, what are those flowers for you? What are those little birds? What are those moments of hope and of love and life? And how do you call, recall those in moments where, where you're troubled and worried? How do you think about some of those positive moments instead of just the worries that are in front of you? So how has God already been good to us in our past? And so uh, I think, you know, those three primary points, how do we prioritize what we worry about to what's essential? How do we get moving and act out our faith, seek justice for people? How do we remember those good things that God has given us and have a little bit more faith, a little bit more hope in those moments? And so... Uh, he concludes this text in Matthew saying, So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So while this text might seem like it's just saying, hey, don't worry, it's a lot more nuanced than that. Um, regulate our worry. Let's prioritize it. Let's live out our faith together, remembering God's good gifts. I do think if you're looking for something you can do this week, if you wanted to sit down and write out what you're worried about, that might be a, a good, even just kind of spiritual task to then pray about those things. But I would go ahead and just like rank them. Like what you think is actually the most essential and important worries that are on that list to think about how do I prioritize and deal with my stress and my worries and my anxieties? And then think about What's one thing I can do that speaks into this worry and this concern? How do I do something about this problem instead of just stress about it? And so I hope that we are a people that don't just get bombarded by the stresses and troubles of the world. I hope that we're not just a people that, um, you know, takes the easy path towards possessions and towards um, just only worrying and fretting and just getting scared, but we take this path of action uh, that we consider our priorities and live accordingly. And so I think there's a lot of meaningful power in this text, uh, even though there's some stuff there that we can also wrestle with and challenge. Um, but it's a, it's a beautiful text of how do you deal with the reality that we are all stressed. And so I want to open up 
the floor and, and hear what, what's on your hearts, what's got you worried or anxious right now, um, as well as maybe what you want to, if you just want to voice something that you're thankful for, if you have a lily of the field or a bird of the air that you want to share with the rest of the group, um, now is that time. <laughs> 